Welcome to the Missouri Baptist University Chapel Podcast. Missouri Baptist University is a Christian liberal arts institution located in St. Louis, Missouri, that seeks to teach, empower, and inspire students for service and learning. To learn more about Missouri Baptist University, visit mobap.edu. We hope you enjoy today's message. minister here at Missouri Baptist University. So excited I get to be here again with you this morning on this beautiful Thursday. So uh, we just wrapped up, right, four weeks talking about the gospel. We discussed the gospel. We discussed that there is a God. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is wonderful. And he creates all things. And then sin enters into creation and distorts that. Humans rebel. We want to be our own gods, determine what's right and wrong in our own eyes. And we're still experiencing uh, the results from that. And so God is moved with compassion. God enters into humanity in the form of his son, Jesus, God incarnate, and he takes our place, our punishment, our guilt, our shame, and he bears it upon himself so that we could be free and so that we could know peace. And scripture teaches that man's purpose, highest purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We can know God, we can be known by him, and we can play a part in the redemptive work of God here on earth. But I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I don't think today is the day the Lord has made and I get to participate in God's redemptive work and know him forever. How many of you, that's the first thing you think about? Probably not, right, for the most part. But scripture teaches that we have an enemy, And that that enemy doesn't want you to know or understand your purpose. That enemy does not want you to know and experience the grace and peace of God in your life. And there's an obstacle that the enemy will oftentimes use to distract you, to sidetrack you and keep you from becoming who God has created you to be, who God desires you to be. When you wake up, oftentimes, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? What are your thoughts day to day? What goes through your mind as you're here as college students on campus, right? You got to study for the test so you can get good grades. You got to get good grades so you can get the right internship. You get the right internship so you can get the, good, get the right job, right? Then you got to find the right boss. And then potentially you got to move to a new city and that's scary. You move to a new city, you don't know anybody. Now you got to get a roommate and then you got to get another, get another. And then maybe it's not a great fit. Now there's roommate drama. And then you think, am I going to die alone? Am I ever going to find a spouse, a husband, or a wife? What am I going to do? I got to start dating now. What do I do now? How do I date Uh, online, Hinge, Tinder, Bumble, Snapchat? Do people still use that? And then you meet someone. And you go on one date, two dates, three dates, four dates. Are they going to marry me? Are they going to propose? Am I going to be their spouse? Am I going to be their husband? Am I going to be their wife? Are we going to have kids? How many kids? Are they going to go to public school or private school? Can we afford private school? What are we going to do? Health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, diapers. <laughs> Anybody else, right? Now, nowhere in that did we question if God exists or if Jesus is real. We just got distracted with life. And it makes us anxious. <laughs> and we neglect our spiritual growth, and our relationship with God. And oftentimes, it isn't just our problems, but the anxiety we feel about our problems, that becomes the problem. 
Jesus, he even tells a story of a man who's scattering seed and some of the seed gets scattered among thorns and then when it grows, it gets choked out. And then he later reveals the meaning of this parable and he tells the disciples, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus is saying there uh, that it can be worry, it can be anxiety that hinders us from hearing and receiving God's word and living out our calling as followers of Jesus and experiencing the peace that God has created us to walk in. According to the World Health Organization, since COVID-19, there has been a 21% increase in anxiety among people worldwide. According to the CDC, anxiety affects 40 million people ages 18 and up. Look around. That is one in three people. Every day, approximately 110 Americans commit suicide. They take their own life. And roughly 3,500 attempt to do so, they report, because of anxiety. This is a problem. Many of us are not experiencing the power and the presence of God because the worries of life are choking out the word of life. And anxiety can lead us to do a lot of things that we wouldn't do otherwise. Anxiety about grades can lead to dishonesty. How many of us at the end, we're at the end of our rope, we're racked with anxiety, we've been trying, 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 we've got to make the grade. And what's the temptation there? to cheat. I've been there, even in seminary, when I was trained to be a pastor. The temptation's there to cheat. Rutgers University, they did a study of 32 universities. You want to know what they found? 74% of business students and then 68% of everybody else reports cheating in college. I don't know why business Majors were more likely to. Maybe they're just more upfront about it. Like, yeah, I cheat. That's how I get ahead, right? But for whatever reason, 74% of business students, 68% of everybody else says that they've cheated in college. Anxiety about being alone can lead us to compromise in dating. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody in here right now. One of you ladies said, I want a man of the cross. And then now you're settling for a guy with a tattoo of a cross, right? Like, well, he wears a Jesus piece, right? He's got a cross on his necklace. That counts for something, right? Many of you know you should not be dating the person that you're dating right now. Don't look at him if you're sitting next to him. Just look at me. Don't look, don't look. But you're thinking, I'm a senior now. The clock's ticking. What if I don't meet anybody else? The red flags are obviously there, but I'm anxious about being alone. Anxiety about being liked. College students experience that. And then what? It leads you to being weird at parties and in group settings because you want them to like you. And then you're nervous and then you just say something really dumb. Right? But on a more serious note, for some people, anxiety can lead you down a road of addiction. I've seen it a million times. I know a lot of people who have such bad anxiety that they have to smoke weed, they have to drink, just to numb themselves enough so that they can go to sleep. 
We have to deal with this problem for the sake of our own hearts here this morning. And Christians, I'm gonna talk to you right now. The world is not impressed if we sing songs about the Prince of Peace, but then you live your life completely stressed out. So all that was my introduction. We are beginning a brand new series here at chapel called The World Has Gone Mad, holding on to peace in a crazy world. The last few years have been marked by unexpected events, pandemics, riots, wars, uh, worldwide phenomena that's gonna be read about in our children's history books. But even apart from the global mayhem, life is unpredictable. Life gets busy. People change. Cultures change. We change. And it can become very disorienting and sometimes disheartening. So the goal of this series is to bring you perspective through God's word to settle our hurried, worried, anxious, busy hearts and find rest and peace in Jesus Christ. Can we pray together this morning? Lord, I wanna thank you so much for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. Thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity that we can set aside some of the distractions and the stressors of life and we can come in here and be with you. We can be with other fellow believers. We can come in here with our doubts. We can come in here with our worries and our anxieties. We can even come in here with a skeptical heart. And Lord, I pray that you would just meet us here in this place and provide your shalom, your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you would just give rest to the weary and worried souls in here today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So let's go ahead and jump to our text for this morning. Our opening passage in this series is gonna be found in the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verse 27. These are Jesus' words. Jesus says this, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So context matters here. What's going on here that prompts Jesus to make this statement to his disciples? Jesus he knows what awaits him. He knows what he came here to do. He knows what is about to happen. He knows he is about to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. How many of you have been betrayed by a close friend? He knows what that's about to happen to him. And then he knows he's gonna be arrested. How many of you have been arrested? Just kidding, don't raise your hand. And then he knows he's about to be publicly humiliated, shamed, beaten, and then murdered publicly. He knows this is about to happen. And he gives his disciples an insight to what is about to happen to him. But he does tell them, I'm not gonna leave you alone. He even uses the words, I'm not gonna leave you alone like orphans, but I'm gonna send you a helper. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit to be with you. But he does tell them he's gonna go away and where he's going, they're not gonna follow right now. They will eventually, but not at this moment. That's a hard pill to swallow. They've just received some extremely bad news. These men have been following Jesus for three years. They've been eating with him. They've been laughing with him. 
They've been learning how to teach and preach. They're students of his. They're being shaped and molded by their rabbi. And now he says he's gonna leave. And there's not much explanation around it. I can feel the anxiety setting in. They're gonna say, wait, what? What does this mean? What does this mean for us? Uh, 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 what does this mean for me? Wait, what are we gonna do? Is, is the gang breaking up? Are we ever gonna see each other again? Have you ever been there? You get bad news and then you just like spiral. That's probably what's happening in their minds. And Jesus speaks to that anxiety. He speaks to that worry. And what does he say to the worried and anxious soul? What does he say? Peace. I leave with you. And then he goes, uh, my peace I give to you. And the word that Jesus uses here is a word, it's, it's shalom. How many of you have heard that word before? Shalom. Look at your neighbor and say Shalom. Shalom here, the word is, it's the harmony and calmness of body. We don't even have this word in the English language. The closest thing we have is peace, but it's beyond peace. It's the harmony and calmness of body, mind, and spirit that supersedes earthly circumstances. I'm going to put this in other words. The peace that God gives you, if you're taking notes... I know some of you are. You get better seats in heaven. <laughs> the peace that God gives is not the absence of trials, right? Don't come to Jesus if you want an easy, cozy life. Just be honest. The peace that God gives is not the absence of trials. It is joy and calmness in the midst of your trials. And notice what Jesus says, this peace that I give, it's not like what the world gives because the world does give peace. It does, right? Guns, police, 401ks, retirement plan, health insurance, bomb shelters, neighborhood watches, safety nets, workout plans. The world gives peace in a lot of ways and these things are not bad and, and I am thankful that they exist. But Jesus says, the kind of peace that I'm gonna give to you, it's a kind of peace that can't be taken away. It's a kind of peace that is not circumstantial. He's saying, the peace that I give to you is when the locks are broken, when the mob comes, when the bubble bursts, when you lose your savings, when you get injured, whenever you strike out, when your friends leave you, and it's your cross on the horizon, you still have joy. And peace. The peace that Jesus gives is not circumstantially based. It is a peace that emerges despite circumstances. It is a peace when the waves are crashing, when the boat is sinking. It is peace when your boyfriend or your girlfriend texts you, we need to talk. It's peace when coach calls you into his office. It's peace when you drop the pass. It's peace when you miss the tackle. It's peace when you strike out. It's peace whenever you screw up. It's peace whenever you fail the test. It's peace whenever you get fired. It's peace whenever you're up here on the, on the stage and you forget your lines. It's peace when you lose. It's peace when you suffer loss. It is a peace that passes all human comprehension. And look at what Jesus says just a few chapters later in John. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
Because in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus shoots us straight there, right, immediately. And he says, hey, in life, you're gonna face trouble. It's a fact of life, you will, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And for many of us, we're not experiencing the power and peace of God in our life. Why? Again, because the worry is choking out the word in our life. So I came across this recently in one of the early Greek manuscripts from the first century of the Christian era. Some archaeologists found this. And there is a record of a man named Titidios Amarimnos. We've got it up there. Titidios Amarimnos. Look at your neighbor. You know the drill. Say, Titidios Amarimnos. <laughs> so scholars agree that this Amarimnos, this last name, is not a common cultural name for this time. Scholars agree that it is a baptismal name. So back in the New Testament, whenever you became a Christian, it wasn't uncommon for them to just give you a new name, right? Barnabas, that was not his real name, but he was called son of encouragement because that's what he was like. Saul became Paul, Simon became Peter. So Titidios was his first name, like James or, or Matthew. But Amarimnos was his last name. It described his character. So Marimnos is Greek, and it's the word for worry or anxious care. So anxiety. So also in the Greek language, if you want to emphasize the negative of a word, you put a before it. We do this, right? Like atheist means not a theist, or doesn't believe in theos, God. So in this case, amrimnos means doesn't worry, or is not anxious. So after this man becomes a follower of Jesus, and he's baptized, he's given a new name, something that characterizes this man and his new life in Christ. And all the people around him are like, we're gonna call you Titidios, Amarimnos, or Titidios, the man who doesn't worry. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. When you experience him, when you experience his presence, you experience this kind of peace that changes who you are from the inside out. How many of us want to be called Amarimnos? How many of us could say that about ourselves right now? Maybe not now. But hopefully by the end of this series, you can. So how do we start? Where do we start? If we want to experience this peace, some of you may be saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I am anxious. I would like some peace for my anxious soul. Where do I start? What can I do? Give me some practical steps. Number one, prayer. Some of you rolled your eyes. You're like, ah, oh, of course. Pray, why, why pray? Because the Bible says so. What if I said science says so? I recently read an article in the Wall Street Journal. I'm gonna read an excerpt from it for you today. Some of you I know don't always have the same Christian convictions about the Bible that I do. So I said, okay, well then I'll just go to secular scientists. Let's see what they have to say about prayer. So in the Journal of Behavioral Medicine, comparing secular 
so without God, and spiritual forms of meditation, so prayer, found that spiritual meditation was more calming. In secular meditation, you focus on something such as your breath or a non-spiritual word. In spiritual meditation, you focus on a spiritual word or text, so scripture. Participants were then divided into different groups, some being taught how to meditate using words of self-affirmation. So they'd meditate and say, I am love. Again, this is from the study. I am love. And then others, the other group was taught how to meditate using words that describe a higher power. So instead of saying, I am love, they said, God is love. And then they meditated. I'm I'm still quoting this. They then meditated for 20 minutes a day for four weeks. Researchers found that the group that practiced spiritual meditation showed greater decreases in anxiety and stress and a more positive mood. They also tolerated pain twice as long when they put their hand in an ice water bath. Some scientists who study prayer believe that people who pray are benefiting from a feeling of emotional support. Imagine carrying a backpack half, or excuse me, a backpack hour after hour. It will start to feel impossibly heavy. But if you can hand it off to someone else to hold for a while, it will feel lighter when you pick it back up again. Again, this, is, this isn't scripture. This is from the Wall Street Journal and behavioral medicine. This is what prayer can do, says Amy Wachholz, associate professor and clinical health psychology director at the University of Colorado, Denver, and lead researcher on the meditation study. And she says this, I've got it up on the screen. It lets you put down your burden mentally for a bit and rest. This is scientifically proven. Science is catching up to what we have known as Christians for years. The art, the ancient art of prayer. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A guy named Paul wrote this. And if you don't know much about Paul, he was originally called Saul. He hated Christians. He even killed some of them. But then he encounters the risen Jesus and then he becomes a missionary. And then Jesus tells him to go out and he goes out and he preaches the gospel to all the corners of the world. And he encountered a lot of obstacles on his journey. Some of them were spiritual and then some of them were physical. He was constantly under fear. He talks about this in his letters. He was constantly under fear of being arrested and beaten. And he was actually arrested three separate times, totaling of about five and a half years in police custody or on trial. Let's just take a look at his own words. I've got them up here. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Who gets shipwrecked three times? I just stopped getting on boats at that point. Jeez. And a day and a night I was adrift at sea. 
So this guy knew a thing or two about anxiety, all right? A lot of times we hear these verses and we're like, yeah, sure. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about all, I get it, but you don't know what I'm going through. And Paul's like, I was shipwrecked three times. I was arrested and thrown in prison for preaching about Jesus. What do you mean I don't know what you're going through? And I don't mean to belittle your problems. I'm just saying this guy knew a thing or two about anxiety and worry. And he says in a letter to the church at Philippi, don't be anxious about anything, nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition with a thankful heart, you can let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes human comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind. That's the point. That's it. That when we're shipwrecked, when you're being beaten, when you're being thrown into prison, when you get a bad grade, when your boyfriend or girlfriend dumps you, when you don't get the job, whenever you don't get the internship that you wanted, when you don't get drafted into the major leagues, when you get injured, don't be anxious because there's a God and he is powerful and he is mighty and he's wonderful and you can talk to him and he listens. First Peter 5, 7 says this, cast your cares upon him because he cares. Because he cares. As Christians, when we're at our lowest point, scripture tells us that we can give our anxieties and our worries to God. We can give them to him. He will take them. We can cast our burdens on him because he cares. Number two, how do we experience this peace? We can seek God's presence. Jesus again says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. How can we experience this kind of peace? We can experience the presence of God. So prayer and presence. Did you know that you're not alone? One of the worst things about anxiety, and, and believe, believe me, I know what that's like. One of the worst things about anxiety is you feel alone and you feel siloed and you feel like nobody understands. You feel like nobody cares. You feel like the world is falling in around you. But scripture tells us that God is not far. God is not distant. He is the God of heaven and earth and he is with us. Even further, it says the Holy Spirit dwells within us as followers of Jesus, shaping us, molding us, guiding us, giving us peace. Second Timothy 1.7 says this, that, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We can know peace. We can experience peace because the lengths that Jesus was willing to go so that we could experience the presence of God. We were lost. We were far off from God. Fear and anxiety abounded. But God did not want us to live like that. God does not want you to live like that. So much so he sent his son for you to die on the cross, to bear your shame, your guilt, all the anxiety, all the worry, he took that upon himself so that you wouldn't have to bear that anymore. It says, cast your cares because he cares. And he doesn't say the problem's gonna go away. It doesn't say he's gonna fix it every single time, but God promises that he is going to be with you in the midst of it. That at your lowest point, 
Again, when the mob comes, when the bubble bursts, whenever life is at its worst, whenever you lose all your money, whenever you feel completely alone, God is right there with you. And you can know him and you can talk to him and he listens. So know that you can experience peace. You can experience perfect peace for your anxious soul. Amen. Let's pray one more time together. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. And thank you so much again that you've given us this time for us to just think and spend 25 minutes just meditating and thinking about peace. And we can have peace because of prayer and because of your presence. And we can know your presence because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Help these dots to start connecting in our minds. Help us to understand these things and know that we are not alone and that we are known, seen, and loved by the God of the universe. And we can have peace in that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen.